Okay, all, this is Anna. Hi, and I'm Morella. And it's the Blooming Boomers, the Boomers, the Bloomers. <laughs> and our guest today is writer Irene Godin. Irene, welcome. Thank well, you. We're so happy to have you. So, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I was born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta. And upon my marriage in 1964, I left. And since then, we've moved around quite a bit. My husband's career took us from my first home in New Brunswick to places in Ontario and Quebec, Nova Scotia. And it took us overseas to South Korea and Romania and, and Montreal. And we are back in Calgary now. So you've seen quite a bit of Canada our country, and of course, all over the world. Any impressions, anything that struck you that remains with you in particular? I liked living overseas like we did. The uh, culture was very different in South Korea, and we enjoyed being part of it. And then when we moved to Romania, it was again a very different atmosphere there because it was under the Ceausescu regime, the dictator. We lived differently. And you had to be aware that our phone was bugged, our apartment was bugged, and our car was bugged. So we learned it was a different lifestyle under there. Wow. Then we came back to Canada and everything was okay. I think that those experiences are what got you interested in becoming a writer? No, I was, I was interested in writing before I went to Korea. I started a novel back in the 70s and got it all down, handwritten. And then we moved to Korea and everything got put into storage. So I didn't touch it much for the next eight years. Then he was transcribing it from handwritten to a portable typewriter, to an electric typewriter, to a computer, which was the Apple IIc, which was in a prototype at the time. And then it, eventually I got it on a regular computer like we have today. And I was typing it along till I got about two thirds of it done. And then I had to stop. I don't know what happened to the rest of it. Hmm. So you went through a lot of technologies. And what do you mean? What happened to the rest of it? We just I lost it, I guess, during the moves and all that. I lost it. My file went missing. Your file, the whole file. The, th the third of it went missing. Oh, dear. What was that novel about? It was about a, my companion when I worked. On, I was home alone with the children at school, my husband at work. She was my, my companion when I vacuumed. And I had her in my mind, and I decided to do something about it. And I started writing about her life. And I took her from Edmonton to Montreal back to Vancouver, and it just developed on that. It was just a, a character. Wow. It was a make-believe character or a real yes, character? Yes, completely make-believe. Ah, so lots of imagination. So you've written, also I understand, poetry and short stories and various articles. What are they about? They're mainly about uh, writing. And these were published 
and consequences of the contacts I had through writing um, associations. I belonged to three of them in Montreal when we were living there. And this is how I met some good friends there or made good friends. In that period of time in the 90s, I was more active in writing than I have been since. Is there a reason why you're, you were more active then than now? Well, I was more settled in one place for one thing, because we moved around so much. My husband was on these large projects and managing them and whatnot. I joined writing associations, two of them, and this has made some good friends. And then I was also in, in taking a writing course. The professor asked me to join a group. I didn't know what it was about, but it was to join a private group to critique other work and have my work critiqued. And so it, I was really quite involved in Montreal in writing. And this is where I got my little stories published, where I got a little bit of a poetry published, as well as articles. And they were, were mostly about writing. Mm-hmm. Now, you have recently published your first novel, and it's yes. called The Lonely Little Flute. What's that about? Well, I was influenced by a story, the human interest stories that used to be published in newspapers. And this one was back in the early 60s. And it was about a young couple. He asked his girlfriend to go listen to some music at a particular club. And when they were there, she looked at the musicians and she pointed one out. She says, I think that's my brother. And it turned out it was. For some reason, that story always stayed with me. Like, what were the odds of her finding her brother like this in a public place? And how did they ever get separated? They must have been together at one point for her to recognize something in him, to identify him. And anyhow, I I took that premise and I made a story out of it. It gave him a life. And that's how my book came about. Wow. That's great. So you take these kernels of interest or something that is a question in your mind, and then you develop it into a story or an in this case, a novel. Yes. And I write short stories and I've taken kernels of truth from experiences that others have lived through to write my short stories. Then I just plain imagination for others. Wow. That's amazing. That was self-published. Is that the case? Yes, it was. How did you decide on that and how did that go? What was your experience like? Well, I find if you went to the traditional way, that it's not easy and there's no guarantee of being a success at it and having your book sold. So I thought, well, what are the odds if I have it self-published? And they were about the same, so I, I took self-publishing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and how did the sales start? Did you have to get creative and, you know, knowledge? The only advertising I did was through friends. I contacted friends, let them know I published a book and gave them the title. And it sort of snowballed that way. So word of mouth. Yes. So where, where can our listeners get that book? Like how do, how do they get a copy? Through Amazon. That's easy enough. I mean, I've ordered plenty of things off of Amazon over the last two years. So just uh, look up The Lonely Little Flute Yes. Copy. What what is it selling for? Do you know? It's sixteen sixty-four. Great. I just find that really interesting, the idea that you 
you heard this little article, you read it, you developed it into a story. And what year did you set it in? What era? Mostly in the 80s, 90s. Wow. They weren't using computers then. (laughs) (laughs) Did you write that story longhand or did you write it on a computer? I wrote it longhand before, and that's why I had to transcribe it. I wrote that on computer, and it stayed in my computer for some years before I decided to pull it out and and chuck it over, and then I got it published. Very nice. That's great. That's great that you can have, I mean, this is kind of hopeful for anybody out there who has had an idea or a project, I'm thinking of you, Anna, something, and a friend of mine who had some poetry, and that you might have something sitting there, and it hasn't been touched for a while, and you keep going back to it, that you can actually finalize it, make the project come to life. Make it happen. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It also impresses me. You mentioned a number of times handwritten and then the various typewriter. And you don't let technology deter you. Bit by bit, you start using it and embracing it because that's the world, how it's going. And you keep going. So I'm just amazed, you know, that you don't let it stop you. I think that's an inspiration. But like I said, I used to write things pretty by longhand and then transcribe it onto computer. And now I just do it directly. Yeah, it's kind of easier once you once you get on the computer to do it directly because you can change sentences, you can move the position of a paragraph, and you don't have to start writing from the top of the page. That's right. I have had fun with it recently when you talk about publicizing. I never talked about it. I did some writing privately. I never told my friends. I never told you know my family. I, they knew, but we didn't talk about it. Till we were here. And because of the COVID, my book was published in August of 2020. But because of COVID, I couldn't get a group together. And not till May when the, some of the restrictions were lifted. And then we could have a group of 15. So I, I'm in, living in a complex, an independent living, but also part of a, in, in a retirement community. So I have contact with fellow residents all the time at mealtimes. We have two meals included with our condo fees. Anyhow, I invited 13 people when it was permitted to. And of course, they thought it was our anniversary and everything. And I said, no. And finally, I, we got to the, the day of the party. Some, some, a couple of them sent gave cards for a happy anniversary. And I kept telling them it's not. Anyhow, so what are you going to, what, what is this meeting for? This party little party for and I said you'll know in about 15 minutes when I did tell them that I had published a book and uh, they were each going to get a copy they were stunned and it was interesting to see their reaction and it it snowballed from there because even the staff got to know about it and they've been buying the book as well as other residents in the building have you know I've gotten my publicity done that way that's amazing yes And very clever, I might add. (laughs) You know, I'm just wondering, as a female writer, do you think it's different? It's harder? You know, you belong to these various critique organizations. Does it make a difference? No difference, whether you're female or not? 
No, I don't feel it makes any difference. Mm. I think it's to each his own. How about challenges you face as a mature writer? I don't have any challenges. All I keep being asked is, when is your next book? Can we reveal your age? Are you okay with that? Oh, yeah. I'm now 83. It's amazing. And you're just starting this wonderful career. That's <laughs> awesome. And you're at 83. People are eager for your new work. And you've been, like, infused with this kind of new beginning. That's exciting. And you don't think it's a challenge, right? For you, this is not hard? No, I, all I figure now what I want to write if I'm going to have enough time to do it before I croak. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a lot of stories left in you? Yes, I do. Wow. Yes. But Good. the thing, I don't write on a regular basis. I write when I can. There's other things that are distracting and I only write when I can. At 83, that's amazing and still looking forward to more writing. Would you do anything, you know, when you look back at your life and writing, would you do anything differently? Yes, I would have applied myself more years ago. Ah. You know what? You're still going forward. And I think that's the key thing. And it's interesting because you echo what a lot of my friends who are retired say. You're busy. People think when you're not, quote unquote, working or when you're older and in a senior's living that you'll have all the time in the world but look at you you're very busy that you have to try to find time for your writing that's really great yes <laughs> i think that's ideal that you're just kind of going through your life and you have to schedule including your writing and i'm just wondering do you have any advice for people you you know you told us you're 83 and you're still, my gosh, all these plans. Any advice to people who want to start things at a more mature age? I think go for it. Just find the time. Find your dream. Partly you found your dream earlier on, you told us. Yes. For someone who's older, is there anything that can help them find that dream, you think? Well, I think... You can't just wish it. I think you have to apply yourself to it. Like, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. You just try it. And that's the thing. Try it and see how well you do or how, what you can do. You'll see your capacities. But, I mean, that's all I do is tried and it, it worked out for me. But if I wouldn't have tried that, I wouldn't have had this. So are you, are you currently working on your next novel? Yes, I am. I had it edited and I came back and I have to do a lot of rewriting. <laughs> ah, It's not encouraging, but I have to go through it. No, I hear that's where the work is. You put out your story, but editing is really important. How many edits did you have to do for The Lonely Little Flute? One and a half. Yeah. So that's something to be expected, right? The editing. Yes. yes. And do you have a professional that you hire Yes, I do. And she's very good. She's very patient as well. <laughs> but then again, so she, so, keeps, I. <laughs> so she gives you feedback and then you kind of go with that. Yes, she, she, uh, she does the editing, the corrections and things, makes suggestions as to what I should do with my novel. 
and I should delete something or maybe, you know, add to something else. And she's very astute in that domain. And in this second novel that I'm writing, she finds, I haven't worked at it enough. I should work at it more. And that's what she suggests that I do, make some changes. So are your novels character-based more than plot-driven? A little of both. There's the characters that I choose and the plot. There has to be a plot. Right. And I have to work my characters into it. And when you do a novel that's set in the 80s, do you have to do a lot of research to make that time period describing an event or clothes? Do you have to do a lot of research? What were people wearing in the 80s and what stores were around? Do you have to be really careful about I do some research, but then again, I've lived through it. (laughs) (laughs) You must have a good memory then. Are you... Yeah. Wondering, can you reveal what the book is about? Well, the book is about a brother and sister, two young kids who are left as orphans and they must go into the sort of the welfare system. But they, the first family they have, they're both very happy and they consider these their parents. Then tragedy strikes again and that's when they are separated. They are raised separately and yet they have a very strong attachment to one another. They never forget one another and they yearn for one another. And it's the question is, do they ever get together again? Do they ever meet? And that's where the crux of the story is. Mm, That is really interesting. I find it fascinating all the places you lived, especially South Korea and Romania under Ceausescu. Would you ever write a memoir? I could, but it doesn't really appeal to me. I can give anecdotes more than I could write a memoir. I can tell you what it was like. That's about it. But I couldn't write a book about it. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I think each writer has their own style, right? And you found yours. And it's not, it sounds like not memoir. Do you have any role model writers that kind of influenced you or not? Or well, I read mysteries and romance and historical fiction, which I particularly like. And so I have not really one author that I really like or not. Uh, I find for my writing, and Nora Roberts is a good writer. She writes on so many different subjects that you learn about something new all the time. And Christian Hanna is a very good writer. Maeve Binchy. Did you ever read Maeve Binchy? No. I've read one of her books a long time ago, and I haven't read any others of her since. But I also write and read Louise Penny. Which oh, is yes. Oh, yes. Louise Penny. Yes. Quebec writer, right? Yeah. And, and, and I think her latest book is with Hillary Clinton, I believe. Yeah. Mm. No, so yes. Interesting. Her new book that's coming out, yes, is with Hillary Clinton. I'm sure I'm going to get that one. But you know what? It's amazing. Like Marella was saying, your life, you in what you said, you draw a lot of inspiration. You don't, you know, you read a lot. Like you said, you have a few favorites, but a lot of times you don't necessarily need to go outside for material. Your own life yes. right? Bring, yes. brings you content, inspires or gives you ideas, which well, is, we- you know, I think amazing. From 64 to 88, 
we were moving around. We've moved 20 times. So I've had time to meet different people, you know, live different circumstances and whatnot. And it memories, little things that I will take from the past and put it in my writing. It is subconscious too. Yes. I want to go back to an interesting image that you offered at the beginning of this podcast. That was that this character of the character you said that followed you while you were vacuuming. So is that something that you were always able to do is is have characters in your head that were like friends? Yes. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Not everyone can do that. And that's really like what the lonely little flute. That was something I had in my head. Like I said, it's a souvenir of what I read back in early 60s. And why it stayed with me, I don't know. And that's why I eventually created a life for them before I ever put it down and, and writing. It's companionship. I was alone a lot too. That's beautiful. Well, you're that's never a- really alone with all those yeah. characters. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. Beautiful. Yeah. I just wanted to say... Thank you so much for joining our podcast and to our listeners, inspiration, inspiration. Don't let age stop you. Just as Irene said, right? Go for it. That's right. Any old projects, now's the time. Yes. Keep trying. Don't give up. Yeah. And just try. One thing doesn't work. Try something else, but just keep going. Yes. Irene, thank you so much. We hope to have you back. And thank you for your insights and sharing your life and your stories and how you create your books and your influences. Thank Thank you. you very much. You're very welcome. And thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye, all. And don't forget Irene's book. The Lonely Little Flute by Irene Godet. Yes. Thank Thank you. you.